If you have your Bible, you can open to, um, I don't want to start the television thing yet, but open to um, uh, Luke chapter 18. Just get your Bible open there. Okay. You're listening carefully. At the end of the message today, I'm going to give each one of us, every one of us, an opportunity uh, to just pray and talk to the Lord. Many of you will choose to pray right in your seat. And I want you to know that that is perfectly acceptable to God. You can pray right there where you're sitting. Others of you will feel led to come and kneel in the altar and pray. And that is perfectly acceptable. But others of you may say, I want, Brother Fred, I want you or Brother Ed or, or, or David or maybe one of our ladies or one of our men. I want you to pray with me. Well, if you do that, if you come and stand, then we're going to pray for you and with you. You can pray at your seat. If you're kneeling here, we know it's just you and the Lord. But sometimes we feel like I just need somebody to pray with me and agree with me. And we're going to do that today. If two people come, then we'll pray for two people. But it doesn't matter. That's the way God told me to do it. Because this is not, you will respond to this message one way or another. You, you always do. But this is one that is so positive and gives you such a wonderful chance uh, to do something that really, really pleases God. That you, you, in your heart, you say, man, I need to do exactly what Brother Fred preached on. You will. God, God will do that in your heart. And, and you'll be blessed. And so remember at the end, we're going to pray. And, and you'll understand how we're going to do it. Now, Lord, we just ask you in the name of Jesus. That you would open our ears to let us hear. And our hearts to receive. We know you will. In the awesome in mighty name of Jesus. Isaiah 57, 15. You just keep your Bible open to Luke 18. I want you to listen to Isaiah 57, 15. One of the greatest descriptions of God in all the Bible. But listen to where it says, listen to who it says God dwells with. It tells us who God dwells with. Now, now Isaiah 57, 15. Listen to it. It says, For thus saith the high and lofty one. What a name for God. For thus saith the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. Whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. With him who is of a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble. And to revive the heart of the contrite ones. What an awesome description of God. But you know, I I dwell with those who have a humble and a contrite spirit. And you know what I do? I revive the hearts of the humble and the hearts of the contrite one. Then there's another passage right along that line. And it's um, James chapter 4 verse 6. You don't need to turn. We're going to get to Luke 4, 18 in a moment. But James chapter 4, verse 6. Remember God said he revives the spirit of the humble. He revives the heart of the contrite one. Now listen to James 4, 6. But he gives more grace. 
You say, well, I need God's grace. Who do I need the grace of God? He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Wow. He gives grace to humble people. And then listen to what it says in verse 10. Humble yourselves. This is James 4.10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And then you go right on over into the book of 1 Peter, and God says it again. The very same thing he said in James. I say, I revive the spirit of the humble. I revive the heart of the contrite one. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. And then we get over into Peter. It says in 1 Peter 5, 5, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive one to another. Now listen, and be clothed with humility. That's a good thing to dress in. Be clothed in humility for God resists. He says it again. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And then he says it, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. It's like God is saying, I give grace. I bless. I revive humble people. Now, let me tell you something the Lord showed me. I've read these scriptures many times. I preach from these many times, but I want to show you what God showed me. In James 4, stay with me now, and in 1 Peter 5, where he says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. In James 4, he goes on and says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Okay. But then what caught my eye was you get over into 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. And after he says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Then he says, listen, be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion. Walks about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. And it clicked. Every time God talked about humility, he t- went on to say, now you resist the devil. He said he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And in James, he said, well, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil. He says, you, like a roaring lion, resist him. You know what the Lord said to me? Pride opens the door for the devil. A proud heart, a proud church. Pride opens the door to the enemy. Humility shuts that door. And then the Lord said, I want to show you why. That every time he talked about God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble, he said, now resist the devil. And he went right on in Peter and says, resist the But you know what he said? You know why pride opens the door to the enemy? It was pride that caused Satan to be cast out of heaven. Do you realize that that's exactly in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12? I want you to listen. You see, it was pride 
that caused the enemy to be cast out of heaven. So no wonder God would say, I resist the proud, I get grace to the humble. So don't you be proud, you be humble, and you resist the devil. Because it was pride. Listen to Satan's fall in Isaiah 14, 12. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground? Who are weakened, who had, you who weakened the nations. Now listen to Satan. This is why he was cast out of heaven. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. Pride. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. And it was pride. That led to rebellion. That caused the devil and all of his demons to be cast out of hell. Cast out of heaven and into the heavenlies and on this earth. So I'm telling you. When a person has pride in their hearts. It opens the door for the enemy. God says he resists the proud. But when people walk in humility, it shuts the door on the enemy. I'm going to talk to you in a moment about what is humility. But I want to show you just a couple of observations. The first thing I want to show you is how much God hates pride. I want to show you how much he hates it. Well, I want to know what it is. I'm going to show you, but I'm going to show you how much God hates it. In in the book of um, Proverbs chapter 6, I want you to listen. I'm just going to read about three verses of how God feels about pride. Proverbs 6.16 says, now listen carefully. There are six things the Lord hates. Well, if God hates it, I want to know what it is. Seven things are an abomination to him. Woo! God not only hates it, it's an abomination to him. The first one, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, And one who sows discord among the brethren. But I'm telling you, the first thing he said, I hate a proud look. Then you turn over in Proverbs to chapter 16. I'm going to tell you, God hates pride. He hates it. I'm telling you, it's pride that cast the devil out of heaven. Pride that led to rebellion. And in in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5, get this now. Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. I don't know how it could be any plainer than that. Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. Then he goes on in verse 18. Now you get this. Man, this is such a sobering warning. In Proverbs 16, verse 18, pride goes before destruction. Woo. And a haughty spirit before the fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. But you know, guess what? The same God who hates pride loves, blesses, and gives grace to those who walk in humility. You know, I came across this verse in Proverbs. You know, Basically, in the Old Testament, it talked about law. But there's a, there's a verse 
in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34, listen to this. This is how God feels about hum- humility, how he blesses it. I mean, how it pleases him, how he revives the humble. It says in Proverbs three thirty-four, it says, surely he scorns the scorner, but gives grace to the humble. That's the Old Testament. He scorns the scorner, but you know what he does? He gives grace. God's unmerited favor. God doing for us what we don't deserve and could never do for ourselves. I mean, it's just the grace of God. He says he gives grace to the humble. I'm telling you, it's just amazing how God blesses humility. In Psalm 51, after David had sinned, he had a broken heart over his sin. He said, what can I offer to God? What can I offer him? Because he, he was broken over his sin. And, and, and in Psalm 51, David talks about what he, the only thing that he's going to offer God, what, what God's going to be pleased with. And you know what it is? It's a humble and a contrite spirit. Uh, I'll read it to you. David says, now what am I going to offer to the Lord? What kind of sacrifice can I bring to him? In verse 16 of Psalm 51, you do not desire sacrifice, or I would give you one. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, humility, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. While God hates pride, I mean, he loves, he blesses, he revives the humble. Then, of course, I read the passage in James, God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Read the passage in Peter, God resists the proud. See, God loves humility. He gives grace to the humble. But you know one of the most amazing things that shows how God feels about humility is in the 18th chapter of Matthew when Jesus had the disciples all gathered around him. And he called a little child and set him down in the midst of them. And he talked about it, the, the, the little child, and then he made this statement. Now, you listen. He said, he, he who humbles himself like this little child, or whoever humbles himself as a little child, will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. See, greatness in the eyes of God is not pride or arrogance or self-sufficiency. Uh, no. God revives the humble. God gives grace to the humble. Humility opens the windows of heaven and it shuts the doors on the demons of hell. It's called humility. You know, there's a passage. Luke chapter 18, I hope you got your Bibles there. There is a passage that defines what pride is. So I'll know. And I can run from it as fast as a human being can run by the grace of God. But it also defines humility. And I can run to it by the grace of God. And see, Jesus gives a parable. Now, frankly, I really believe this actually occurred. I really do. But he used it as a parable to some people. Now, look who it was given to. All right, it's Luke 18, verse 9. You got your Bible open? Here it is. He spoke this parable... To some, now get, don't miss these words, who trusted in themselves. Oh, 
This was spoken to people who trusted in themselves. Who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. You talk about pride and arrogance. They trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they looked down their nose at others. This was all about pride. And then he goes on and he tells the story. All right, follow me. All right. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, very religious man. The other a publican. The other a tax collector. In the eyes of the people, a crook. That's exactly right. So exact opposite. A Pharisee is in church. He went to church. And the tax collector went to church. Jesus is telling these people who are trusting in themselves that they were righteous and despised others, full of absolute pride. He said, let me tell you about this. This Pharisee went to church and this tax collector went to church. Well, boy, they, their minds started racing. I mean, started racing. And then he goes on and says, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not even like this <clears throat> tax collector over here. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all I possess. Pretty impressive. But then Jesus says about the tax collector. But the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much uh, would not so much as raise his eyes toward heaven. He, he just over here by himself. And he's got his head hung. And he, and, and he just wouldn't lift his eyes to heaven. And then he began to do something. He began to beat on his chest. Began to beat on his chest. And listen to what he cried. God, be merciful to me. A sinner. What opposites. The Pharisee, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I fast and I tithe. But here's this tax collector. Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, now what is this parable all about? Listen to the evaluation and the interpretation of Jesus. Listen to what it says. I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified. Rather than the other, the Pharisee. Now listen to what he said. For everyone that exalts himself, pride, will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. Remember God says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Hey, the Pharisee, full of pride, exalted himself. But the tax collector humbled himself. And the Pharisee went home from church no more right with God than the moment he walked in there. But that tax collector, perhaps chief of sinners, went home right with God because God gives grace to the humble. Now, there are four things that you'll notice in these two men. The Pharisee is a clear picture of what it is to be proud. And God deliver us, each one of us from it. I, I'm praying, God, don't let there be one ounce of it in our life. Let 
there be humility that opens the doors of heaven and humility that short shuts the doors on the demons of hell. But there are four things. The first thing I notice about pride, and humility is the opposite. You'll notice in the Pharisee, first of all, the Pharisee, this man, never admitted that he had any need before God. Not one time did he in the presence of holy God say, God, I am a needy man. Not one time. And see, that's the characteristic of pride. Pride is self. A pride uh, will not acknowledge its need. It will not acknowledge its need. And notice what he said. I mean, he said, I thank you that I'm not like other men. And this was good. He didn't need to be an extortioner. He didn't need to be unjust. He didn't need to be an adulterer. Or, or he didn't need to be a thief. Nothing wrong with that. He said, I, I, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not, this is what I'm not. Okay, okay. And then he said, I, I'm telling you, I fast and I tithe. Okay, listen to me. It wasn't what he said. But it was what he didn't say. First of all, he said, I just thank you that I'm not like other men. Immediately he'd exalted himself. Because he was a sinner just like, hey, by the way, the Pharisee was a sinner just like the publican. The only problem is the Pharisee didn't know it. And the publican did. And I want to tell you, pride doesn't know how needy it is. It just doesn't know how needy it is. It wasn't what the, it wasn't what the Pharisee said, y'all. It was what he didn't say. He didn't say, God, I come before you as holy God, and like Isaiah, woe is me, I'm undone. You see, in the presence of holy God, nobody brags on their own righteousness or who they are. It was what he didn't say. He didn't say, oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, I need your mercy. I need your grace. I I need your forgiveness. I stand before you as a needy man, Lord. See, he didn't, you know why he didn't confess that he was needy? Because he didn't think he was. He really didn't. He refused to admit how needy he really was. And that's pride. It does not admit its need. It will not admit how needy it really is. But I'm going to tell you about humility. Boy, it admitted its need. That publican said, God, has he beat on his chest? I'm a sinner. And God, I need your mercy. And I need your grace. And I need your forgiveness. And I need you, God. I want you to know. I just want you to know I need you. I'm a desperately needy man. And I can't meet my own needs, Lord. See, humility under, is broken before God and contrite before God and realize how needy we really are, how really needy we are. You see, one of the great um, pictures of pride and how it can grip an individual or a church is found in, in the Revelation the church called the church at Laodicea. Jesus said they were neither cold nor hot and they were lukewarm and he would throw them up and vomit them out of his mouth. But listen to what they said about themselves. Now listen, this is the one Jesus said, you make me sick. They said, we're rich. Boy, that sounds like self-sufficiency. We're rich, Lord. We're wealthy. And we don't have need of anything. You know what Jesus said to him? You're poor, you're wretched, you're blind, and you're naked. Their opinion of themselves. Rich, increased with goods and need nothing. 
compared to God's evaluation, you're poor, blind, and naked. I want to ask you a question. Do you realize how needy you are? Do you really know? In the light of God's absolute holiness, he is holy, holy, holy. Do you realize this morning how desperately needy you are and I am? Man, I'm a desperately needy man. Do you realize how desperately needy Luke 418 church is? I mean, we're needy people, folks. Oh, no, you don't understand, Brother Fred. We're rich in Crete. No, wait a minute. Come off of that. God, we thank you that we're not like other churches. You come off of that. We're needy. And I guarantee you one thing. God gives grace to the humble. If you don't have any needs, then God ain't going to give you nothing. Humility says, oh God, I'm a needy man. I'm a needy woman. I need your mercy, your grace. Oh, I need you, Lord. Luke 4, 18, God, we're such a needy church. It's not what we are, but oh God, it's what you want us to be. But here's the second thing. Pride not only refuses to admit its need, but humility readily admits its need. Now, here's the second thing, and it's just as tragic. Pride not only won't admit its need, but if it thinks it has a need, a proud person, if they think they have a need, will say, well, I can meet my own needs. I can take care of it. I can meet my own needs. You see, pride thinks, here's the difference. Pride is self-sufficient. Pride not only admits its need, I'm needy, Lord, but then if I have a need, I guarantee you I am self-sufficient. Now, you know why I know that? I want you to listen to how the Pharisee prayed. He was the one Jesus said was eaten up with pride. He said, now, first of all, I want to thank you that I'm not like other men. It's all about I. I just won't thank you I'm not like other men. Well, he immediately exalted himself above others. He trusted in himself that he was righteous and despised others. Well, Lord, I, I want to thank you that I'm not like other men. But then, I believe God kind of quickened that Pharisee and spoke to him but said, well, what about this? And then I want you to listen to what he, how he responded. Now, now, why did he do this? He was praying. He said, well, and I'm telling you, Lord, I fast twice a week. Well, God knew that. Why does he say it? God knew that? And he said, let me tell you another thing, Lord, about me. I know you're impressed. He said, I give tithes of all I possess. This is what he was saying. Even if I have a need, I can meet it. I'm very religious. I, tithe, I fast. I tithe. He said, let me tell you, Lord, if you see any need in me, I'm perfectly capable of taking care of my own need. I am self-sufficient. I can meet my own needs. But let me tell you about humility. It not only knows its need, but humility knows that only God can meet the deepest needs of our life. Humility says only God can meet my needs. Not one time did the publican say, God, I, he just cried out. Here's his whole focus. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's all he said. Because he knew that he could never save himself. He could never forgive himself. He could never deliver himself. 
He could never be the person God created him to be unless God did it. Hey, he, he, I want to tell you something. The Pharisee was so religious, he'd gotten to the point that he really didn't need God and he could take care of anything that he had in his life. This man knew that without God, there was no hope. He was bankrupt. He would never be anything. And I am telling you where humi- pride was self-sufficient, humility was God-sufficient. Pride says, I, humility says, God. Pride trust in itself and its own righteousness. Humility, trust in God as its only hope. I'm going to tell you something. Don't you for one moment trust your own righteousness. The Bible says all of our righteousness before God is his filthy rags. Don't you trust in your ability or your personality or your gifts. I'm telling you, you better trust in the living God. Humility is absolutely dependent on God. It's like humility says, Jesus, without you, I am nothing. But in you, Jesus, I am complete. And I want to tell you something, Lord. Without you, Jesus, I can do nothing. I just can't, Lord. Anything I do in the flesh is going to burn up. But I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. No, the Bible says God resists the proud. But sometimes God in his mercy and love and grace breaks through on the proud. I never will forget there was an individual in a church that I pastored. Had become fairly successful. And uh, he, he said he was an agnostic. And I never will forget this gentleman came by to see me and said to him. He was just talking about how he didn't really believe the Bible and how he didn't. You know, he, he was just kind of proud of his um, uh, of, of, of his intellect and all that kind of stuff. And, and basically, he, uh, he, he was real proud of his accomplishments. And, and basically, he said to me, Brother Fred, you just need to understand, I'm a self-made man. I was tempted to say, you are exactly right. God would not make a mess like you are. I want you to know that. <laughs> but he meant it. He meant it. But I'm going to tell you what happened circumstance it is in his life his world began to cave in and his life began to fall apart well when you're proud where do you turn to when everything starts caving in and life starts falling apart and I remember the day under God this is true I remember the day the man walked down the aisle of the church and there said to me I need God I desperately need God I said hallelujah God broke him of his pride and he became a humble man Realizing that without God, he didn't have any hope or any future. Humility says, I'm needy. Humility says, only God can meet my needs. Here's the third thing. Well, this really cuts to the heart with me. Pride is more concerned about what people think than what God thinks. Pride is more concerned about pleasing men than pleasing God. How do I know this? Now, I want you to get the picture. They're in church together. And it says, and the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Now, I believe he knew who was in church that day, and he really wanted to impress them. You see, he wanted them to know that I am a Pharisee of the Pharisees. You're looking at one religious man. So he began to pray. 
stood right there in the middle of all of them. They were all around him. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I hope you all heard that. Now, did you hear that? Uh, Lord, I'm not an extortioner. Aren't y'all, y'all realize, aren't you proud? And, and I'm not unjust, and I'm not an adulterer, and I'm not even like this tax collector. And boy, he said, wow, I know these people are impressed with me, but I've got to go a little further. And I want you to know one thing. I fast twice a week, and I give to, you know, I don't believe he cared one bit. He wasn't thinking about God when he prayed. He was thinking about pressing, impressing the other people that were standing around him and letting them know how religious he was. Because I'm going to tell you about him. He was more concerned about what people thought than what God thought. He was a man pleaser instead of a God pleaser. But you know, I hate to say this. The publican would embarrass most of us. You know, we, we want God to move, but... Lord, don't let it get out of hand. You know what I mean? What do you think now? What do you think? They knew he was a tax collector. They knew he was a thief. (laughs) You know, they didn't love sinners. They just judged them. (laughs) They didn't love them. They just judged them. And so this publican, he kind of upset their service. (laughs) He started beating on his chest and said, God! Be merciful to me, a sinner. One of the Pharisees said, who is that? Would somebody tell him to calm down? You would think he had a problem. Guess what? He knew he had a problem. And you know when a man has a problem, and he knows where to turn, he doesn't care what people think. God, beating on his chest, come on now. God, would you be merciful to me? You're my only hope. Jesus, you're my only hope. You know what I've been. You know all about me. You know my sins. You know everything. But, oh, God, would you be more? Don't give me what I deserve, Lord. See, humility is more concerned about what God thinks than what people think. Humility says, I hope they understand, but I'm going to please God whether they understand or not. You know, I, I got to thinking about that humility is more concerned about pleasing God than pleasing men. That humility is more concerned about what God thinks than what people think. And the Lord reminded me, but what about all the times I have spoken to you? What about all the times I've asked you to do something? And your first reaction was, well, Lord, what will they think? Ooh, I wish you hadn't said that to me. He said, your first thought, well, they won't understand that. But you see, that if God understands, I want people to understand. But it doesn't matter if God understands. I never will forget this. We were having a revival, uh, kind of a conference on revival. And this particular morning, Jim Hilton was speaking. And he was right in the middle of his message. One of my dear friends who's in heaven now, Mike Bodenheimer, who worked at Metzger's in the mall for years. Mike was at work at Metzger's. And the Spirit of God fell on Mike and convicted him that he was backslidden and that he needed to get back with God. And so he said, he told me, he said, so Fred, I left the floor and this was about 1030 in the morning. And I went over to where we had all the shirts stored, you know, and I got right with God and I got right with God and I felt so good. I repented of my backslidden. And then God said to me "Now you leave work and you go down to the church and you get on your knees in the altar. Mike said, no, I've already gone. I know. I've, no, he said, you heard what I said. He said, but he won't let me off from work. He said, you, you, you just hear what I said. So he got permission. So he leaves Metzger's, comes over to the church. Right in the middle of Jim Hilton's sermon, 
Here comes Mike down the aisle. And he falls on his face in the altar praying. And I'm sitting up there. And I'm saying, Mike, what are you doing? I said, you don't come in the middle of the sermon. You come at the end of the sermon. I said, come on, Mike. You know what God said to me? Hey, you leave him alone. He said, I'm going to tell you about Mike. He's more concerned about what I think than what people think. He's more concerned about pleasing me than pleasing you. I said, God, you're exactly right. Let me tell you about humility. While we don't want to be obnoxious and offensive, I'm going to tell you one thing. Jesus warned us, how can you believe if you seek honor that comes one from another and you don't seek the honor that comes from God only? Humility is a God pleaser. Pride is a man pleaser. Here's the last thing. Humility says, God, I'm needy. Humility says, I cannot meet my own needs. God, I can't meet my own needs. I'm helpless, but you're my help. I'm weak, but you're my strength. You're my rock. You're my fortress. You're my shelter. You're my height. But God, I can't do it. And then humility is more concerned about what God thinks than what people think. Then the last one is kind of tough. Well, they're all four tough, to be honest with you. Humility always sees other people's sins. Humility says, I'm needy. Only God can meet my needs. And I am more concerned about pleasing God than pleasing men. But pride always sees other people's sins and judges them. The Pharisee said, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I'm not an extortioner, and I'm not unjust, and I'm not an adulterer. And listen to this. Why didn't he go over and put his arms around the publican and say, let me pray for you. Dear God, thank God he's brought you to himself. No, he didn't do that. And he just said, I just want to thank you that I'm not like that tax collector. You know, he, could, he was blind to his own sin. But he could see the sin of others. I'm going to tell you about pride. It always sees other people's sins and judges them. It doesn't break your heart. It doesn't break their heart. Well, look at that. Look, look at the sin in his life. Look at the sin in her. And, and instead of being broken and praying for him, it just judges them. Well, I'm not like that, buddy. And they're just worse sinners than I've ever. Let me tell you about pride. It always sees the sins of others and judges them. It is blind to its own sin. But humility sees its own sin and repents. What did the publican Sex collector pray. God, be merciful to me. Now, it's one thing for sure he wasn't a Baptist because God, be merciful to the preacher. He's, not pre- he's preaching too long. God, be merciful to the deacons that are running the church. God, be merciful to so-and-so because I don't like the way they dress. And I'm telling you, we find ourselves never saying, God, be merciful to me. It's God, be merciful to them. What about you? Humility. Sees its own sin and repents. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Show me any wicked way in me. I'll repent. 
You see, Jesus said, now you can see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you can't see the beam, the telephone pole that's in your own eye. He said, first, you take out the pole that is in your eye before you ever start dealing with the speck that's in your brother's eye. God, you don't earn anything. Grace is just the opposite of works because grace is God's unmerited favor. God does for us in Christ what we do not deserve and we could never do for ourselves. But I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to tell you what God said. God revives the spirit of the humble. He revives the heart of the contrite one. There's rivers of grace. It says in James, God resists the proud, but there's a river of grace. Saving grace, sufficient grace, sustaining grace, serving grace, sanctifying grace. He says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace. He revives the heart of the humble. You know what the Lord said each one of us need to do today? Starting with this man preaching right now. We need to humble ourselves. If there's one thought in your heart, I don't need to humble myself. You're the very person I'm talking to. I'm serious as a heart attack. I'm telling you, I am. Because there's one thing I know under God. That I need to humble myself in the sight of God. And there's one thing I know about you. You need to too. And there's one thing I know about Luke 418. If we want to see a river of grace ever flow in this place, we better humble ourselves. Say, Lord, we're needy. We cannot meet our own needs. Lord, we can't. And God, we're more concerned about pleasing you and pleasing men. And God, would you show us our own sin and give us the grace to repent? It's called humble yourself.